It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education. The latest in politics and world affairs. We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Kids are just being bombarded with darkness. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. I almost missed it, Steve. It's hump day. Welcome. We're going to have a conversation about amazing things. Yeah, it is Wednesday, and uh, you've made it through half the week. I'm Kim Munson. We're going to have a conversation about some really important things. Uh, In this second segment, we'll be talking with Linda Gorman. She is the Director of Healthcare Policy at the Independence Institute, which is a free market think tank, and she had this very important piece in Complete Colorado. It's talking about the Taxpayer Bill of Rights ensures Medicaid spending follows dropping enrollment. And in segments three and four, we'll talk with Jay Davidson. He is the founder and CEO of First American State Bank. And we'll talk about a variety of things, but I think uh, I think it'll be important to hit upon the compassion of capitalism, capitalism in its real form, and the cruelty of socialism. Socialism ultimately is force. The questions that we need to t- uh, look at, each of these issues out there is freedom versus force, force versus freedom. It is never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, or freedom via force, whether with a weapon, policy, or unpredictable and excessive taxation. So I uh, I am Kim Munson and want to say thank you to the team. Producer Steve, how are you doing? Oh, bright eye, bushy-tailed, <laughs> all those good things that they say. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it in your voice. and uh, But want to say thank you to the team, to Zach and producer Steve, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for the good work that you guys do to keep this train on the track. And thank you to each of you listeners. Uh, Each of you, you're valued, you're treasured, and you have a purpose. And uh, go out and do that today. There's so many headlines. Patty has put together so many things that we need to talk about. But Steve, before we went on the air, uh, I, I think there's something that's on our hearts, and that is this division in America. And as you look at the headlines, I was just looking at a headline here. This is from Fox News. Uh, First thing, it says, Morning Joe uh, claims that Trump seems to want white nationalist terror attacks. Uh, He airs in a bizarre story about Trump, Hitler, and flags at half-staff. And then another another, uh, NBC host uh, says that Trump was calling for the extermination of Latinos, and then she apologizes uh, let's see who that was exactly. And uh, oh, there, I'm not getting to it real quickly. Anyway, um, when we're talking about division out there, they want to lay division at Trump's feet. But honestly, when you really look at it, I don't think that that's honest. Um, and what we have been seeing in America is people that talk about tolerance are the least tolerant. People that talk about inclusiveness are the least inclusive. And so people that talk about Trump being the divider, I think we need to go back in history. And there is a very important piece that was written back in 2017. It's from the Heritage Foundation by Hans Spakovsky. 
He's an authority on a wide range of issues, including civil rights, civil justice, and the First Amendment and immigration. And back in 2017, he said, Americans voted in November for seismic change, but our, our outgoing president is still as clueless as ever about the nation he governed. In his farewell speech, President Barack Obama proclaimed that he made America better by almost every measure. But the statement goes far beyond optimism and lands squarely in the realm of delusion. Eight years of Obama's leadership has left America demonstrably weaker and more divided. Rather than the promised healing, racial, and other, the Obama era frayed the ties that bind us. It began when his Justice Department dropped an open-and-shut voter intimidation case against the new Black Panther Party. It was essentially a declaration that his administration would use the Voting Rights Act to protect only certain races. There followed the steady stream of false claims that America was an inherently racist society with a biased judicial and law enforcement system. Obama rekindled a racial divide that had been steadily disappearing in American society. In fostering group identity politics for political advantage, the Obama administration only divided the American people and the people know it. A recent Rasmussen poll found that 60% of Americans felt that race relations had gotten worse uh, under Obama's election, a far cry from his uh, claim that there were better race relations under his administration. The, uh, Obama also boasted of controlling health care costs while bringing Americans better insurance coverage, and we know that that's not true. Steve, you had mentioned that you'd seen on Twitter that uh, there, there's this whole uh, debate on whether or not uh, President Trump should go down to El Paso because of the shootings at the Walmart over the weekend. And uh, you said that most people think that he should, but there's a, you know, there's that shrill minority that is just really trying to continue to, you know, stoke the fire that um, Trump is responsible for these shootings. It's amazing. Yeah, I was only picking up on what Michael Pelka was just referring to earlier in the previous hour. Uh, there is a poll out there, and so far, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just asked, should Trump go or should he not go? And the should goes are like 83%, and the uh, you know the no, he should not goes are about 5%, and the rest don't have an opinion. So that's good news, I guess. But all this seems to be rooted uh, coming. Uh, Beta O'Rourke, one of your favorites, uh, t- tweeted earlier this morning, 22 people in my hometown are now dead after an act of terror inspired by your racism. El Paso will not be quiet and neither will I. Now, that's a, you know, the, the you that he's referring to there is uh, the president. So, once again, the tail at least attempts to wag the dog. Uh, a very noisy minority has, you know, gets the media on their side, and they're insistent now, quite insistent, that it is Trump and Trump alone that has caused this situation in El Paso and Dayton. But, you know, I beg to differ in terms of, you know, just a couple other events over the the years. Dallas Police Department sniper, the sniper who was just outside the uh, Dallas Police Department and took out several policemen, 2016. Pulse Nightclub, 2016. San Bernardino shooting, 2015. Sandy Hook, 2012. Not a one of those situations did anybody in the government or any outside the government suggest that Barack Obama was responsible for those shootings. Well, you know, and 
what what has been going on? I, I remember when I first heard the word intersectionality. It was from, a, I think it was a high school student who was making a presentation when I was on city council at Lone Tree. I'm kind of like, now that is interesting. What is that word exactly? And what these kids are being taught that basically identifying with groups and so they can they call them disenfranchised so you know it's going to be it's basically everybody except uh, ca- Caucasian straight males everybody else they're trying to get them into a group and um, and the the Caucasian white male is quote-unquote you know the, the big boogeyman if you will and so identifying people with groups then they try to make those groups uh, fight different groups and I mean, you you want to talk about Nazism? That is what Nazism did, as far as identifying people with groups. And it's important to remember that Nazi stands for National Socialist German Workers Party. When we talk about socialism, and when I say socialism, ultimately comes down to force, and we saw that totally played out under Hitler. It's there's no way to romance socialism. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. It comes down to identifying people with groups. And we used to hear Beto O'Rourke and each of these Democrat candidates. They're not out there, Steve, talking about policies that protect people's rights across the board impartially. You know, instead of they don't have policies that really uh, can, um, you know, uh, um, you know that that can push forward that make people better. All they can do is tear down. Now next week I'm going to have Karen Cataline on. She has written a really great piece. Uh, it's leftism is destructive to mental health. And she said I almost didn't write a commentary at all this week out of respect for the dead and injured in the two mass shootings within 13 hours in El Paso in Texas and Dayton. As a formerly practicing mental health professional, I would never diagnose someone without a personal interview and at the very least a thorough exploration of his or her family history. We have come to expect the rampant speculation regarding the mental status of mass murders as well as the ugly politicization that comes almost immediately after such horrific events. And so we'll go on. Well, that's just a teaser for next week. She says that it's leftism that is destructive to mental health. And that's where we actually need to lay all these shootings at the altar of leftism. And and the fact that they want to lay this uh, at Trump, when you look at the policies of what he's put in place of lower taxes, of uh, reducing rules and regulations, he's not saying lower the taxes just for the Caucasian white guy. He's not saying lower rules and regulations just for the, uh, I guess I'm being redundant, the Caucasian straight guy. Uh, He's not saying reduce the rules and regulations for just a certain group. The policies that he is putting in place is actually helping. And uh, the fact that we're seeing uh, some of the record low unemployment for blacks, Hispanics, women, uh, his policies are good for everyone. I think, though, that most Americans realize this, and that is why you are seeing these Democrat candidates, you know, ramp up the rhetoric on a racist, racist kind of stuff and trying to uh, put these um, very tragic events at the feet of Trump. Steve, what say you? Well, I listened to another national guy uh, later in the day each day, and he was on this very topic about how... You know, what desperation can breed after a while? The desperation coming from the left right now when they 
look into their crystal ball and realize they have nothing with a capital N. They have nothing. So they need, desperately need to find anything they can dangle in front of the electorate. And we all know the situation with so much of the electorate, distracted, uninformed, uninvolved. And yet they will tune in at the most inopportune time and get some snippet of something and then take it to the bank and say, oh, well, Trump really must be a racist. Oh, he must have really caused the shooting in El Paso. Oh, okay. And they take it and they go with it. Well, that is why we do this show, Steve, is so that we can uh, arm ourselves, no pun intended, but arm ourselves to fight in this battle of ideas out there. Because if you look at these folks, they got nothing. And they uh, they put forward, um, I mean, when you identify people by a group, I mean, inherently, I think that that is racist. Mm. And so if you look at, you think about these people would actually are vying to lead our country, we'll be in a whole world of hurt if any of those uh, those folks win because they, as you say, they got nothing. But let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Linda Gorman. She's written a very important piece in Complete Colorado, and Complete Colorado is this great uh, aggregator of uh, news from across the state, and then they also have, if you click on the banner at the top, original content. And Linda has written this very important piece regarding Tabor. We've talked about it, Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. They are really ramping up to try to get rid of that. And uh, and in fact, there's going to be ballot uh, questions on the November ballot across the spectrum, uh, from anywhere from little fire districts to the state of Colorado asking if they can keep your tax refunds forever. And Linda's written this this piece that says the Taxpayer Bill of Rights helps keep Medicaid growth, the Medicaid growth industry in check. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with Linda Gorman. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every fantasy league gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooter style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Steve, we're having a a really important conversation about uh, what's been going on down in El Paso and uh, and also the mass shootings in 
uh, Ohio. And uh, what's your thought? You said you had an additional thought on that. Well, this is kind of in a, a very kind of a unique segue to something we had talked about yesterday off air. We didn't really get to it. Uh, Fox News headline in yesterday, uh, yesterday on the website said, simply said, 2020 sweepstakes, Dems try to outdo each other in giveaways, something along that. In other words, the freebies. In the tweet that went out today from Beto O'Rourke, right away, you know who, (laughs) immediately responded. That is, the president responded back to him and basically said, you know, Beto, you got nothing. And you're embarrassed by what I had already done to you once in Texas, and you don't want to see that happen again. Something along those lines. But on this theme of the fact that they got nothing, let's look at all these giveaways that are out there. Yes, we're going to forgive college debt for all. We're going to uh, get Medicare for all. It doesn't link back to something that we had talked about earlier in terms of uh, buying votes. Well, and you know, Steve, you did a really excellent piece. We are curating authors at americhicks.com, and you did a really important piece. It's uh, down, uh, let me find it, uh, regarding, uh, yeah, it's down there. Democrats competing to buy votes in their bid for the 2020 presidential election nomination. You were ahead of the curve on that. As you mentioned yesterday, there was a headline talking about that. But this is really a good piece that you did. Uh, because um, they have all these different giveaways that they're competing for. And I was at a little market yesterday seeing, you know, just regular folks coming in after work, getting some things to take home. And uh, probably they don't have college educations, but they had a long day. You could tell they've been working. And I'm thinking, why should they have to pay for somebody else's college education? We're going to keep that uh, question hanging out there because we've got Linda Gorman on the line. Linda... How are you doing? Fine, thank you. How about yourself? Very good. Thank you. Uh, Linda is the uh, Director of Healthcare Policy over at the Independence Institute. And Linda, you just recently have done an op-ed regarding the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which there are many movements out there. They're going to try to get rid of that. And the Taxpayer Bill of Rights is just about good manners. It says... Hey, PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, if you want to raise our taxes, incur debt, or keep our tax-free refunds above a very generous formula of inflation and population, you just have to ask us. But, Linda, you have another twist on this. You said the Taxpayer Bill of Rights helps keep the Medicaid growth industry in check. So uh, explain that to us, please. Well, Medicaid... um People on Medicaid increase as as the economy gets worse because you lose your job, you become eligible for Medicaid, and, and you take it. And Medicaid providers get paid some fee usually regardless of whether somebody uses uh, medical care or not. So there's an incentive there to keep expanding the number of people who can be on Medicaid because you're expanding the payments, even though you may, may not be expanding the amount of health care that you're giving out. So what happened was we've had a really strong economy, and the news has been great. And so lots of people have found jobs, and they're not on Medicaid anymore. Colorado Medicaid rolls dropped by almost 90,000 people, which is good news because, you know, you're better off not on Medicaid. You're better off with other arrangements. And so state spending fell by um, a little bit over $1.1 billion, you know, 4.3%. The state didn't spend its total funding for fiscal year 2017-2018. So 
I, you just know that next year, next election, politicians who want to you know, buy votes by promising to give free stuff are going to say, look, we didn't spend our total capacity. We've got to get rid of Tabor because it's keeping us from doing what we need to do. But what Tabor is doing is keeping them from spending the, the you know, sort of fiscal cushion that they're going to need in the next recession because then Medicaid rolls are going to grow again. So it provides for sustainable state spending is the way I like to think about it. Um, people in the legislature have this huge push to always spend money because everybody likes them if they spend money and everybody hates them if they don't spend money. So, you know, they have a tough time. Tabor helps keep, you know, a little bit of sanity there and saying, no, no, we just can't blame Tabor. It's good, it, it, it's good for legislators to be able to blame Tabor. Okay, now, Linda, you said that in the spending, there was a reduction of $1.1 billion, or 4.3%. Does that mean the state of Colorado has that money that they could spend on other things? Yeah. I mean, well, no, it wasn't appropriated. You know, the legislature has to appropriate it for things, right? And so what basically happened is they appropriated a whole bunch of money from Medicaid that they ended up not spending. Um now, they can keep it if it's below the Tabor limit, right? And they can keep it in the right. general fund and use it for other things. But if it's above the Tabor limit, they have to refund it. Um, and this tends to make head explode, heads explode because the notion of giving money back to the taxpayers is a very, very <laughs> difficult one if you're under constant pressure to spend more. Okay, well... So we need to protect you them know, from themselves. So I think what I'm trying to figure out here is is uh, the I'm calling them now PBIs. I have a new name for them: politicians, bureaucrats, <laughs> and interested parties. And um, <laughs> I, I just call the it the PB- tax and spend coalition. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. But uh, you know, it seems like transportation. When the PBIs talk about transportation, they're talking about. Uh, buses and trains and bike paths. When everyday people think about transportation, they think about the road that they ride on or, or the or drive on and, and the bridges that they cross so that they can get their kids to soccer practice, they can get to their jobs. And the, we continue to hear this uh, this narrative that there's not enough money for transportation. So I'm trying to figure out, is would there have actually been an extra $1.1 billion they could have spent on transportation this year? Well, it was appropriated for Medicaid, so and I'm not sure what the laws are governing that kind of fund transfer. Um, okay. So uh, I don't know. But keep in mind that that's, that's part of the game, right, is you change the language to make people think that you're doing one thing, i.e. spending on roads, when actually what you're really doing is, you know, spending on buses and trains that nobody wants to ride. Um, although this year, you know, the state is going to start redoing I-70, which is going to be the most expensive road project going. So it's not like they're doing nothing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at least, you know, when you hear transportation, think about bike paths, not, you know, actual roads necessarily. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have I mean, a... the state's I, running I, a I, money-losing bus operation, right? They're competing directly with Greyhound. Bus right, and bus staying and snow staying. Bus service. Yeah. 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 So, so why it, it, should they it, compete with Greyhound? I mean, well, that's right. Why should we use money? government government dollars yeah. to possibly compete and put private enterprise out of business? But let's yeah. let's go back over here to this important piece again. This is in Complete Colorado. This was um, August fifth that you put this out, and when the economy gets better, 
You're saying we had 90,000 people that got off the Medicaid rolls. And that seems really good because that means people are becoming self-sufficient. There's dignity in work. But the tax and spend people, the PBIs, want to keep people on government dependency. And and they also want to continue to take more money out of our pockets. So they're going to use this, you said, to try to get rid of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Just explain that one more time, Linda, so I understand that. Well, it's it's whenever um, we've seen in the past, whenever the government runs a, a surplus, they spend less than they allocated. Uh, people will, are, will always argue that there are all these, these pressing needs that we need to have government involved in, and so we need to spend more money. And if Tabor restrains government from doing these very important things, then that's a bad thing. So historically, when they are running to get rid of Tabor, which is going to happen in November again, they'll say something like, oh, look, we didn't spend all the money we took in. This is wrong. People need our help. Get rid of Tabor. It's blocking the roadway. Um, uh-huh. schools, okay. whoever. Okay. So, so I just would like voters to be aware of this and that if you want to keep state funding sustainable, keep in mind that those Medicaid rolls are going to go back up and you want to keep that fiscal capacity there to take care of government spending when there's a recession so you don't have a disaster like you did in 2011, 2010, something. Fantastic. Linda, you do such a great job on healthcare policy. Thank you so much. And again, this piece is at uh, Complete Colorado and just click on the uh, banner at the top and that'll get you uh, to all those different pieces. And Linda, right now yours is the second one down. So thanks so much. It is nice. One more thing. If you're on um, the web and you're looking for fiscal stuff about Colorado, take a look at the Tabor Yes uh, Coalition page. Just Google Tabor Yes. And we have a lot of little tiny financial things up that you can use to educate yourself on that. Okay, fantastic. That's Tabor, yes. So thanks, Linda Gorman. Okay, we're, we're going to jump over here. Just, um, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. Uh, what's on your mind this morning? Probably savings? Well, it sure is, Kim. I just wanted uh, people sometimes ask, what order should I save money in? You know, I've got a 401K, or could I do an IRA, or should I just do it in a regular account? And I would say if, uh, it's a no-brainer if you have a 401k and they give you a match. You absolutely first want to make that your go-to is to contribute enough to get the full match because that's free money, Kim, and there's no better kind of money than free money. And the kind you get in your 401k actually exists, uh, unlike the kind of free money that's being promised in the uh, Democratic uh, debate. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, the next place I would go personally, especially since we're in a fairly low tax rate environment, is I would want to go to tax-free money, which would be either uh, 401k contributions that go to the Roth side. A lot of folks aren't aware that you can make Roth contributions into your 401k, and there's no income limits on that either so even high earning individuals can do that or you can put money in a Roth IRA uh, and you can do both a Roth 401k contribution has no effect on your ability to also contribute to a Roth IRA if you're below the income limits and then Kim after you've 
filled up all those buckets if you're fortunate enough to still have extra. You could just look at like a regular brokerage account or a life insurance policy or something like that. And I know we're short on time, so I'll shut my app. <laughs> okay. Well, and if people want to pursue this more, Jason, your phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. And then our landing page together is chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Jason, we will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one, Kim. Okay, thanks. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with uh, Jay Davidson. He's the founder CEO of First American State Bank about the compassion of capitalism and the cruelty of socialism. We'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to have in studio with me as my guest, Maradude, Jay Davidson. You are the founder, chairman of the board, and CEO of First American State Bank. It's always great to have you in studio. Thanks, Kim. I'm also the janitor. Are you, <laughs> it's funny how that works in private enterprise, uh-huh, isn't it? <laughs> I do know that. I do know that. It takes... It takes a lot to build a business, and it's not a nine-to-five job. It's a, it is a job where when you start these businesses, you do do everything. That's for sure. Twenty-four-seven. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, but excited to, to talk with you. You really have uh, your finger on the pulse of of the economy, and uh, wanted to just talk about government versus private enterprise. What's your and, thoughts on that, Jay? Well, first off, uh, as a uh, entrepreneur uh, and deeply into private enterprise, I think I have a clear view of the advantages of, of private enterprise, private capital, the rights to ownership, uh, private ownership. Um, and when I look at federal programs, government programs, I see most of them don't do a lot of good. Um, the poverty level has stayed flat for the 60 years of the war in poverty has been in existence, but we spent trillions of tax dollars trying to fix that problem. And the real fix is don't let the government try to fix it because they can't, and they've proven that. Let private enterprise fix it, and they have done that time and time again. Uh, when Reagan, uh, Ronald Reagan was president and Tip O'Neill, a Democrat, was the head of the House, 
<clears throat> or Senate, I can't remember which, uh, they we got one of the best um, pro-business fiscal policies in place that we've ever had in our uh, since our start. The other time, uh, believe it or not, was Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich. Mm-hmm. Again, posing parties, but they were able to come together and Newt's uh, contract for America uh, really was a brilliant uh, fiscal policy move. So I've seen both sides. And in, in banking, I get to see the entrepreneur try and start his business or build his business or sell his business or her business. And uh, you get to see the the effects of free enterprise at work. Well, I have a question for you because I was talking with a friend recently and we were talking about, I mean, socialism is, you know, all the, all the rage right now. Right. There is nothing social about socialism. Ultimately, socialism comes down to force. Tyranny. Yes, Tyranny absolutely. And force. Yeah. But, but they wrap this all up in a, and somebody said to me recently, a public relations campaign. It's a public relations campaign. They're not going to ever be able to deliver that. But they play on people's fears. And, and this friend of mine said, but, but there's some people that just can't take care of themselves. And then that makes the case for a government program. Right. What would you say to them, Jay? Uh, first off, I would say that it is both Democrats and Republicans have a tendency, whether they know it or not, to default to let someone else solve that problem. Yeah. It's too big for me. I can't. You know, it's just so bad, I can't solve it. So let's create a bill. Let, let's tax some more people. Let's create a program. And I'd ask everybody out there, Republican, Democrat, Independent, uh, Libertarian, to think about that statement before you start implementing it. And s- Because the government would be more than happy to create a program, employ more bureau- bureaucrats, uh, and then also tax you to death and your business to death. The unintended consequences of that action is the destruction of free enterprise, the destruction of the golden goose, of the goose that lays the golden egg, which is capitalism. And the the beauty of capitalism is that it self-generates itself through profits. Nothing else can do that. The federal government does not do that. They generate their profits, their income, through taxation by taking it away from other people, from other businesses. Mm-hmm. The best solution for just about any problem, short of infrastructure, our roads, bridges, our uh, interstate commerce uh, laws, etc., and the military, it, that has to be the government. That's why we have a, reluctantly, I might add, have a government. But the size and scope of the federal government today is beyond imagining. The numbers are so enormous, you can't get your head around them. We're $23 trillion in, $22 trillion going on $23 trillion in, in debt. And that doesn't include the unfunded commitments like Social Security and uh, Medicare and Medicaid that we've made that we're, we have to pay for. So, and the size, the number of employees in the federal government has grown exponentially to now uh, well over 40% of the nation has at least, <clears throat> excuse me, one family member involved in the federal bureaucracy. Now, that's a major voting block mm-hmm. for anybody that says, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to take it money away from the rich people. And guess what, folks? 
Uh, everybody listening to this program is a rich person in their mind. You're going to get nailed by taxation. So I, my answer to them is, yes, I, I admit that if you show me an individual, and you can do that very easily, who needs help, then I, my heart is going to bleed for them, and I'm going to want to help them. I get that. But your answer, Mr. Democrat, Mr. Leftist, is not the right answer. It's not another government program. It's free enterprise, people. It, it's letting the the private business and the private individual handle that kind of a problem. Because after all, when it's all said and done, you do not have a right to health care. You do not have a right to a great life. But you do have the opportunity in this nation, like no other nation, to build your life, to build your business, to build your own opportunity into whatever you want. So you have that right of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And that used to be the ownership of private property, but Jefferson was voted down. Well, and I always wondered if at that point that they put in a pursuit of happiness because they were struggling with that whole slavery question. Correct. And so I think, I think, right. I think that's yeah. probably why they went to happiness, just because they wanted to, you know, and they did address it. That's another thing I'd like to mention is that this little country, those little 13 colonies that are hanging on the eastern seaboard, within 70-plus years, we, we had a civil war to try to answer that question. Slavery has been prevalent throughout history. And all countries, all nations, all times. All countries, all nations. It still exists today. In fact, the people that are, are talking about slavery here in the United States, again, the socialists, you think that if they were really serious about it, they would work on trying, trying to eradicate that in other countries as well. But it's absolutely astounding that this little country, because they, 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 they realized how important it was that people have that right of life, liberty, pr- pursuit of happiness, that they worked that out within about 75 years. It's pretty amazing. Exactly right. And I said, if you want reparations, I'm all in favor of it. And anybody that owned a slave should pay anybody that was a slave today. <laughs> you know, actually, I think I might do an op-ed because <laughs> my my grandmother, or my great-grandmother, at least this is the way the family story goes, is that she came to America as a, basically an indentured servant. She worked for a family in Omaha mm-hmm. to work off her her uh, ship's Travel. passage. Right. And so I'm thinking, I wonder who I need to send the bill to in Omaha. <laughs> what do you think about well, that? Whoever's alive today from that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it, it is truly amazing to, uh, and you kind of hit this, but that is private property. That is another thing that made America so unique is, you know, I, I think they kind of said, hey, what if, Government got out of the way, king got out of the way, dictator got out of the way, and that everyday people could actually work and keep most of the fruits of their labor. And I submit to you, Jay Davidson, that, that, that we are living off the fruits of those, those policies today in America. I agree totally with that. And the fact of the matter is we, we uh, complain about our country, but I'm complaining about the direction that it's taking, not about the country itself, not about the idea of a constitutional republic and not about the idea of capitalism, because capitalism naturally flows from a constitutional republic, if you think about it. Uh, The the whole idea of the republic is protection of the individual. And that's why the United States is not a democracy. At no point in any of the documents, the Constitution, Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, is the term democracy used. In fact, the Founding Fathers understood what democracy is. It's the rule of the many over the few. It's tyranny. 
and it has the same characteristics as fascism, communism, and socialism. It's a destructive form of government, and that's why they chose not to do that. So, constitutional republic. The constitution is means rule of law, rule by law. And republic means a group of individuals that decide to get together and work together for a common good. Um, and that is, that is the um, or origin of the whole idea of capitalism. I mean, capitalism has always existed, but the fact that democracy protects the individual and its sole function of the constitutional republic is to protect the rights of the individual. So it's the republic that protects the individual, right? You said democracy. Oh, I'm sorry. I Thank you. Okay. I totally missed that. Um, okay. I was wrong there. It is the republic. First time. Yeah, no, many times. <laughs> First time I admitted it. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's the whole idea of the republic that uh, is directed at, at protecting the individual. And the way that the republic protects the individual is very simple. If you look at all of the uh, amendments to the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. the First Amendments to the Constitution, every one of them limits the federal government. Or it ascribes certain rights, like the right to uh, arm yourself, mm-hmm. uh, to the individual. And why would they say the individual can arm himself? Well, think about where they were in 1776 when they were trying to break away from the most powerful nation, the most uh, incredible war machine in the history of the world at that time, Great Britain. What they did was they took up arms, little single-shot muskets against the biggest army in the world, and they protected their nation through a Second Amendment right. Now, that right, that Second Amendment right, does not really exist in Great Britain to this day. Well, and it, it uh, for some reason, there seems to be a real assault on that particular... Well, actually, there's a lot of assaults on the Bill of Rights in America today. Let's go to break, Jay Davidson. When we come back, let's continue this conversation. This is Kim Munson, and we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GER, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with Remax Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 2nd through Thursday, August 8th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and the steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com.
Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have in studio with me Jay Davidson. He is the founder, chairman of the board, CEO of First American State Bank. The conversations are always so rich. Thank you so much, Jay, for being thank here. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate what you're doing for everybody here with what you're doing. Well, thank you. Uh, it's truly uh, on my heart to do something, and, and we need to be having these conversations. And the goal is to think about these big ideas so that we can talk with our friends, our family, and our colleagues about these issues that we're facing. So in the last segment, we were talking about the American idea, and capitalism is one of the, the kind of foundational things about the American idea. And I'd mentioned to you a friend of mine that said, you know, you know, what if somebody can't take care of themselves? And as you mentioned, the next thing people say is somebody should do something. And then many times they look at the government as the, the entity should do that. And to that point, government programs don't have to have results. Exactly. And they just continue on. So what would you say regarding this person that can't help themselves? First off, I would say, okay, you help them. You spend your money. You you get in there, you go mow their lawn, or you go take care of their kids, or whatever it is that that person needs. Do it. Don't rely on the federal government. The government's more than happy to tell you, a politician's more than happy to tell you, sure, I'll solve your problem. He'll do it, or she'll do it, by taxing you more, by taking more of your earnings away from you. And there's a negative feedback loop that happens when the federal bureaucracy grows and grows and grows. Individuals get taxed more and businesses get taxed more, and then they charge individuals more for their products and commodities. That takes away from the individual um, the, the earnings capacity that they have, the ability to take care of their own family, uh, and to the point where uh, when businesses are overtaxed, they can do a couple of things. And when the wealthy are overtaxed, they can do a couple of things. And we've seen this during the Barack Obama years. Businesses shut down. They stopped growth. They moved out of the United States. Um, businesses didn't start up. I told you this uh, during the eight years of Barack Obama. Uh, normally, 100 to 125 commercial banks would be started. They're called the Novos. Uh, during the entire eight years, now that's 100, 125 per year. During that entire eight years of Barack Obama, two bank charters were, were created during that entire eight years. And I can't tell you how much business didn't get started because it's negative, but I know that a great number of businesses didn't start because the taxes were too high. And then I'd say to people, look at the end results of the government program. How effective is that? Um, I, you know, I, I like the idea of the war on drugs, but you know what? didn't work. In fact, the cartels have gotten more powerful. Afghanistan is now the heroin producer of the world. Um, the war on poverty has been a total and absolute failure. Somebody but, got rich off the uh, war on poverty. Amen. And the war on drugs. And the and war on every drugs. Other one, every, every other one of these things, these social justice warrior ideas that sound so good in the soundbite, that get your blood boiling and your heart pumping, and lets these basic do-gooders, I'll be kind, uh, feel good about themselves at the expense of everybody else. And that's, I think, what we're all, we 
older folks. I include only myself in that <laughs> statement. You're Watch still it. a young Watch lady. <laughs> You're still very young. Um, uh, why we complain about America. And yet I, I, I talk to my friends about this, and I get a little tired of hearing them complain. It's like, really? You're complaining about what you did? And they say, what? What did I do? I didn't vote for Barack Obama. No, but did you vote for this politician that just agreed to take the debt limit off? To put us further into debt? Did you vote for this guy? Did you go to him and say, all right, I'll contribute to your campaign, but I want to know that you're going to keep a lid on government spending? Because look at folks, government spending, taxes, they go together. They're one and the same. So, you know, people have to get take responsibility for their actions. Well, and just recently, uh, Congress passed it, and the president signed an increase in the debt limit, right? Yeah, they and took the ceiling off. They took the ceiling off for two, is it for two years? Two years. So that means that they're off to the races, or could be off to the races on, on government spending. And, you know, we talked in the last segment about the American idea, and something that I think is inherent in the American idea is that we want to pass something better on to our children. You know, and you think about the Patriots, the, the Revolutionary War. They put it all on the line for freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to the Civil War. They put it all on the line for freedom. You think about the other conflicts and wars, but World War I, World War II, where we stood against tyranny. And they put it all on the line, you know, blood, treasure, the whole works, to pass on something good to the next generation. And our generation, Jay, what we're thinking about doing is passing on a big, fat IOU to the next generation. I think there's something inherently immoral about that. Totally agree with you. Um, we don't, a lot of people don't pay attention to the debt levels because they're not feeling it yet. But that debt has to be paid back at some point in time, or the United States would default on that debt. But can you imagine the United States not paying back the Treasury when it's presented for uh, redemption? That would destroy our country, it would bankrupt our economy. It would take us out of the world picture. That's one of the most powerful tools, more powerful than a war. Because, you know what, we got weapons. We can fight the other guys. We're, we are handing the other guys a noose that we put around our neck called debt. And I'm so incredibly disappointed at the Republicans and at, at Trump, whom I actually do like what he's done for the most part. But in this situation, he is a, a drunken sailor, and I'm insulting drunken sailors, by the way, just like the Bushes were and just like a lot of Republicans are and all the Democrats are and have been. So let's wake up here. I mean, <clears throat> you, we the people get to vote in the politicians. We the people need to get active and tell the politicians to stop spending our grandkids' money. Stop forcing them into this incredible debt that will kill them, kill the economy, and make it impossible for them to earn a living and get a better uh, chance at life than we had. Well, and we do have to get this spending in line. And, you know, I think that we're all going to have to do something about that because Social Security, I think, is unsustainable at this particular point in time. And we're all, you know, bumping up on, on those ages. And, you know, there's that cost of living Uh, increment in there. And I think that we're actually going to have to have a hard conversation with ourselves and say, would I be willing to take a haircut on Social Security and at least start to work on that spending? I think that we have the moral obligation to do that, Jay. 
Yeah, um, Social Security was created um, by a relatively leftist president, Roosevelt. Um, and it, I, I'd like to, I'd really like to know how much did I pay as an individual, and the mm-hmm. government can do this. How much did I pay in over all these 50, 60 years I've been working? And what is my benefit going to be, say, if I live for another 10, 15 years? What's that relationship? Because in Social Security, you have a unique situation where you have paid additional monies into the program. Medicare, Medicaid, welfare, you didn't pay anything in for that stuff, or very little. And or you're Medicare getting, you did, didn't you? Isn't there a payroll Medicare, tax? Yeah, I yeah, think but there Medicaid is a, not. Yeah, or, okay, got it. That's a good point. I, yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, I should look at my paycheck and see that deduction yeah. on it. You're right. So in the situation of welfare and Medicaid, you didn't pay anything in. And the unfunded commitments, the commitments the federal government has made but not set aside money for, is like another, what, some, something like $100-plus trillion on all these uh, four programs that we talked about, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and welfare. So we don't have just a $22 trillion current debt. We have, with the unfunded commitment, we have a $120 trillion debt structure that we're not even addressing. So every time you say, well, the government's going to solve my problem, and uh, if, they, if they're going to raise taxes, it's going to happen. They're going to raise regulatory duties and, and costs for doing business. And they're going to then create a negative feedback loop that destroys the private economy, that subverts the entire reason that our country was built, which is to protect the individual, and that is going to destroy uh, the very thing, capitalism, that makes us great. Well, and people say that that can't happen here. You look at Venezuela. I remember when Venezuela was a thriving, prosperous country. And now people are waiting in line for toilet paper and food. Mm-hmm. Do you think that could happen here? Absolutely. That, that's the path to socialism, communism, fascism, and democracy. That is the ultimate path that we're walking down right now. Well, and that is why, Jay Davidson, that we are having these conversations. We want to help people get their brains around these important issues so that they can talk with their friends and their family and their colleagues. Not, you know, not fighting, not rant and, and uh, all the rhetoric. If you understand the issues, then you can speak calmly, and I think you can start to influence and persuade others. I agree with that, and uh, I think we have to all calm the rhetoric, the hate, the vitriol down and listen to each other. I'll probably never agree with a leftist. In fact, I will never agree with a leftist. Uh, but uh, I, with a Democrat, yeah, I could agree with a Democrat. Mm-hmm. With a Libertarian, you bet I could. In fact, I have more in common with a Libertarian today than I do my own Republican Party. Because right. my Republicans have abandoned our principles of a constitutional republic, I think, with this spending nonsense that these people have gotten us into. Well, we have got to continue this conversation about this. Jay Davidson, founder, chairman of the board and CEO of First American State Bank. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. And our quote for today is from Abraham Lincoln. He says, you cannot help the poor by destroying the rich. You cannot strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. You cannot bring about prosperity by discouraging thrift. You cannot lift the wage earner up by pulling the wage payer down. You cannot further the brotherhood of man by inciting class hatred. You cannot build character and courage by taking away people's initiative and independence. 
You could not help people permanently by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. Today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.